0: Now the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's
2: 12:03 on a snowy Thursday afternoon, December 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. The NFL's Sunday Ticket package getting a new home. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest measure of the economy is out today, along with reports on the leading indicators and in jobless claims. We're joined by Brian Westbury, chief economist, First Trust Advisors, based. in Wheaton. Brian, thanks for joining us today. You know, in the old days, uh, if you had a report that said the third quarter gross domestic product was better than expected, you'd see a rally on a day like today. But uh, we're in 2022 is the year of the upside down and uh, investors hate this good news. (laughs) Yes, good news
1: can be bad news sometimes, especially Rob. uh, And it's great to be with you. The when when the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. So in other words, uh, the stronger the economic data, the the more it surprises to the upside, the more people get worried about the Fed hiking rates more. And so then what happens is good news on the economy ends up being bad news for the markets because higher interest rates uh, will lower the value of stocks over time.
2: On the other hand, if you want to pick your uh, uh, pick your data point, the index of leading economic indicators points to a slowing of the U.S. economy and a recession next year. So if you think uh, the Fed's going to remain uh, hawkish on interest rates, you can point to the uh, third quarter GDP. But if you think uh, some dubbishness is around the corner, just look at the uh, leading economic indicators.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of the leading economic indicators, Rob. We we don't have time to debate the the value of every little piece of data, but I'm, I I I do think in this case, believe it or not, even though I don't watch them very closely, is that we will have a recession in in 2023, and it's not all because of the Federal Reserve. Uh, we we shut down the economy and then borrowed from the future and artificially kept spending high. Um, it's it's my analogy is we had a car accident, the ambulance shows up and the medics give you morphine, uh, even though um, because you broke your leg. And, and, and so you feel fine, but, but your leg is broken. And that's sort of what we did with the lockdowns when we, we locked down the economy then we sort of printed money and borrowed money that's the morphine and 2023 is when we pay the price for that then you add on these fed rate hikes on top of it and and i do think we will have a recession so so we haven't had one yet but i think one is coming and i think that's partly what the stock market is telling us today that earnings are a question mark uh, for next year. I wish I had better news for this holiday season, but uh, I am expecting the markets to go back uh, down and retest their lows and maybe even go a little lower than they've already been.
2: Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, the NFL finds a new partner in YouTube.
0: An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: The NFL has confirmed that its Sunday ticket package for out-of-market games will now move to YouTube TV. Let's get the very latest from Tom Lason, media analyst uh, based in Seattle. Find him on Twitter, at Tom Lason. Tom, thanks for joining us today. This is a billion a year deal, which means uh, the NFL will be getting more from Google and YouTube than what uh, DirecTV had been paying for the Sunday ticket package. Uh, First off, does this mean the end of satellite TV as a uh, content provider? Does this knock them? Is this a potentially uh, fatal blow for subscribers?
3: Um, I think you could look at it that way, possibly. They still may be servicing the commercial side of this thing. This is a residential deal only. But. How much of a death knell can losing this deal really be? Since it was costing them five hundred million dollars a year, um, they ran this this ticket. Direct TV did ran Sunday Ticket at a loss. Um, so here now comes Google and YouTube reportedly paying two billion dollar a year on this seven year deal, and um, you know you're going to be able to buy Sunday Ticket as an add on to YouTube TV if you're a subscriber, or as a standalone purchase on one of YouTube's primetime channels. And I guess the big question is, how much is it going to cost? What's the ad load going to look like? You know, the free version of YouTube right now is almost unwatchable. So hopefully the paid service here on with the NFL will be uh, more user friendly. But I think it really raises some big questions about peak NFL. And I can talk a little bit about that in the consumer um, if you'd like to. But um, I, <laughs> I have to wonder, is is this a top for what streamers and content providers are going to be paying for the NFL?
2: The the thought that occurred to me as I was reading more details about this deal is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Every time there is a new content delivery system throughout the history of electronic communication, whether it's radio, TV, cable, satellite, uh, there's always a rush to sign up sports. Whether it's uh, uh, Ronald Reagan describing baseball games via Telegraph in Iowa, or the uh, NFL uh, getting $2 billion to put uh, games on streaming, it always seems like sports is a good way for uh, content providers to solve their problem and is this just simply the latest uh, example of that
3: Absolutely it's the only thing that works as large event live television programming but you know your entry point matters the cost that you can recover matters I'm not sure Silicon Valley has really quite yet grasped the idea look what's going on in the market today I mean there's a is this capitulation I'm not sure But again, um, you're talking about the NFL making $12 billion through streaming and television rights every year starting in the 2023 season. And I'm really starting to bump up against the question about sustainability. Yes, Google has $116 billion cash on hand. I guess they can afford to lose the money. But um, again, I, I felt the same way with NFTs and crypto and the housing market when that really started getting out of control and I'm wondering now if some of these streamers are a little late to the party here, a little late to what's going on in the ad markets, a little late in terms of what's going on with the consumer. Um, and asking somebody to pay 80 to $150 a month like DirecTV did for a package that features you know, your, your out-of-town football game, I just don't know. Um, I guess bigger, bigger brains than me are on this one, thank goodness.
2: As the years go by, is it possible that uh, the marketplace is going to force streaming consolidation, that uh, eventually some of these services and some of these uh, providers that uh, inked some big-ticket deals will eventually just go by the wayside?
3: Oh, I think so, absolutely. You know, everybody wanted to cover a square. Um, it looked real easy to produce hit shows. Um, it looked real easy to produce Game of Thrones. Well, it turns out it's insanely expensive, and a lot of the streaming services right now have already announced that they're going to be backing away from original content, scripted dramas, some of the things they were doing. This golden age that we were sort of in, um, in terms of content, you remember the Saturday Night Live sketch with the, with the showrunners just throwing, throwing money. Hey, I've got a show about a dog. Boom, here's a million dollars. Um, I think that is ending. It has to end. And yeah, consolidation is definitely something we've been talking about for a while, and I certainly think it's in the offing. And this is yet another example of some of the excesses that I think are out there in this marketplace um, that may come home to roost.
2: Tom Layson, media analyst based in Seattle. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Let's talk about the uh, streaming migration of the NFL Sunday ticket. Coming up next, some help to avoid being scammed by
0: bogus job listings. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
2: Criminals are using phony job ads to commit identity theft. Let's get some assistance in avoiding these scams from Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions, member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Jerry, thanks for joining us today. I think we've all been on LinkedIn or Indeed or some other job service website. You see a listing, looks too good to be true. At what point uh, do you realize Uh, you you've been conned
4: well if they're starting to ask for information from you uh and and you haven't you know been uh, been looking for things you you know they're just they're just targeting you right if you uh have a occupation that you were looking at but you haven't really applied anything you may see these ads That uh, that, you know, hackers are putting out there to grab the information. So if if they want your social security number right out front, if they want financial information right out front, you know, you've been had don't don't provide them that type of information unless you know it's a real situation, right? A new real job offer.
2: And even if it's uh, Social Security numbers or other types of uh, confidential financial information, um, you mentioned that uh, this could also just be an attempt to uh, uh, harvest email addresses from prospective applicants.
4: Yeah, actually, they they can be looking for your email address so that they can uh, spam you with other potential attacks. They can, uh, you know, try to try to send other things to you but they could also just be looking for your information on the job that you're looking for so that they know how much to offer somebody, right? If they ask you, what are you making now? What do you want to make? Uh, they get enough of this information. Now they can go back uh, to their clients or, or the people that are actually hiring and, uh, and give them information
2: at your cost. And when did this practice really start to take off? You know, ever since the job market has gone down and people
4: are anxiously out there looking, uh, hackers have found a way to use this as an opportunity to steal people's information, their, their personally identifiable information or data they can sell to other companies, realizing that hackers are only always in this for the money.
2: Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions, member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based in Chicago. Thanks for uh, joining us this afternoon to talk about the plague of phony job ads. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, deciding when it's time to give children a cell phone.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but... But might be open to the perfect role like me
0: in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedincom slash recommend today this is chicago's news traffic and weather station news radio 105.9 the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good
2: afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden weighs in on the huge winter storm system that's moving through the Midwest and onto the East Coast. The wicked weather now in its early stages locally. Technology Thursday will discuss the timing of giving children a cell phone. We'll also check in with a longtime market analyst about the possible impact of a rough December for stocks on the year that follows WBBM business. The The markets are indeed lower today. They're down 759 points. The NASDAQ is down 390. And the S&P 500 is down 110. 27 degrees right now in Chicago with light snow. Temperatures will fall. Winter storm warning in effect until 6 o'clock Saturday morning. It's 1231. Topic our news at the half hour. The snow has started falling across the Chicago area and much of the Midwest. It'll pick up this afternoon with up to an inch of snow each hour in some parts of the region. President Biden talked about the winter storm during a briefing earlier today.
5: Please, take this storm extremely seriously. And I don't know whether your boss will let you, but if you all have travel plans, leave now. Uh, not, not a joke. I'm, t- I'm sending my staff, my staff, if they had plans to leave on tomorrow, late tonight or tomorrow, tell them to leave now. They can talk to me on the phone. It's not life and death. But it will be if they don't. If they don't get out. They may not get out.
2: At last check, more than 760 flights have been canceled at O'Hare and Midway. Meanwhile, correspondent Jennifer Kuiper is at a rest stop west of Chicago, catching up with people on the roads. Some
0: stopping at the I-88 DeKalb Oasis, some 60 miles west of Chicago, are traveling between Chicago and Iowa. Forecasters say the combination of snow and strong winds could lead to dangerous driving conditions. Mitchell Heinen stopped to fill up his tank and says once he wraps up work today, he knows exactly what he's doing on his day off tomorrow. Not
1: going out in the, the storm I'll You that,
0: but will you be shoveling some snow?
1: Probably in my driveway, yes, I will.
0: (laughs) What accompanies this storm are wind chills that could make it feel more like 30 to 40 below zero. No one is ever ready for the cold. (laughs) especially in uh, negative degrees. Which could lead to hypothermia and frostbite fast.
2: Get the very latest on the changing conditions in this winter storm on demand online. Just click the red link on our homepage WBBMNewsRadio.com It's 1232. The noon business hour continues. Presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us today. The third uh, Third quarter, gross domestic product, better than expected, that second reading. And then investors said, thanks, I hate it. Uh, what's the psychology here?
6: Well, yeah, so it's another case of good news is bad news. Because the uh, because the GDP report looks good, it means that the Fed might be more comfortable raising interest rates further. Uh, but I, I think that's a big mistake. I, I think the Fed has uh, raised rates enough. I'm not suggesting that they... Um, lower rates. I think higher rates were, were justified for a couple of reasons. You know, not just the fact that we had uh, evidence of inflation, but also rates were at zero percent for for too long. The Fed had to get them up to more normal levels. But uh, they need to stop now. They've already gone far enough. Uh, there's plenty of evidence that inflation is is waning. The Fed is focused too much on year over year numbers and is not paying attention to the uh, month-over-month figures, which are showing that uh, inflation has come down a lot. And uh, they're they're in real danger of causing a a recession um, if they continue raising rates. Um, So so I think they've got enough. I think they need to stop. Uh, Of course, you know, there's a difference between what they should do and what they will do. Um, And I think there's a good case or a good chance that they will raise rates uh, at least 25 basis points, on their February first meeting, and I think the the market's very nervous about this, and they they see the Fed being uh, too aggressive, needlessly.
2: Uh, you know, obviously there are some uh, data points that carry more weight than others, but if you are uh, looking for a dark lining in your silver cloud, the uh, list of leading economic indicators uh, points to trouble ahead.
6: Yeah, it, they do. Um, you know, and and the stock market itself is a leading economic indicator. Um, and uh, these indicators are telling us that a that uh, recession is coming. Uh, however, the Fed is shooting for what they call a soft landing, which means that they are raising rates and beating inflation without causing a recession or perhaps causing only a mild recession. Uh, I think they're on the uh, edge of a knife right now. I think if they go further they will cause um, a more severe recession that's why that's why they need to stop. However, you know there are reasons to be <clears throat> optimistic. Um, you know the economy is actually doing pretty well, as that GDP report showed. Um, the employment market is uh is still strong, and despite the huge sell off we're having today uh the s and p five hundred is still up approximately five percent uh, for the fourth quarter. So uh, I'm hoping that we're coming to the end of uh, this selling frenzy, and I'm hoping that the Fed will stop raising rates soon.
2: Maybe this is just the anxiety that comes with being in uncharted territory – Turning off the economy, turning it back on, slowly reopening as, as vaccines are introduced uh, following a global pandemic. But this number jumped out at me, and it's really staggering that uh, 2022, the markets are poised to uh, break what had been a three-year winning streak and posting its worst yearly performance since 2008 you remember twenty oh eight I remember twenty oh eight that was legitimately terrifying uh the weight, the rate at which the economy was deteriorating so it just seems very strange to me we're getting a, a great recession stock market performance out of an economy that's been fairly resilient
6: yeah yeah and I would you know I would strongly encourage people to focus on the long term. We've had many periods of time where the market has has sold off. And if you go back and look throughout history, you know even if you had put all of your money into the stock market uh, just before the crash in 1929, uh, you would have done well over a longer period of time. So, so my recommendation is uh, focus on the long term, recognize that markets go up and down, and you're usually um, you know, well off by investing in the stock market after you see sell-offs. And this year, we have a pretty good sell-off, in my opinion. It's, a, it's an opportunity for long-term investors.
2: Vahan and Chief Investment Officer, at Greenwich Wealth Management, based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, deciding the right age to gift children with a
0: cell phone. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: A potential Christmas gift for kids is a cell phone, but there are some things parents need to think about before making that decision. We're joined by Ina Fried, Chief Technology Correspondent for the news site Axios.com, based in San Francisco. Ina Thanks for joining us today. You might think, and, and I, when I grew up, you know, the, there were other kids who had cell phones and it seemed like an unimaginable luxury. Now it's a necessity. And there's. it seems like you have, you have to change your mindset a little bit more because it's no longer just you're giving your child a device to make phone calls. There's so much more they can do with it.
7: Yeah, that's both the good and the bad and and something that I think every parent grapples with. You know, there's the benefit as a parent of a device lets you sort of feel like you're closer to your kid. But at the same time, that device opens them up to the whole world of the Internet.
2: And, 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 and a lot of parents are, are very used to, as much as you're told not to do this, and there are a lot of influencers who talk about how they don't do this, but a lot of parents live in the real world, and that iPad can be the great pacifier sometimes. So you may have kids, you're, you're maybe on the fence about giving them a cell phone, but they're already used to smart devices. They know how to use a tablet.
7: Definitely, and I think that is an opportunity to start that conversation younger with kids, about how to use a device responsibly so that, you know, the first experience with an iPhone-like device isn't when you buy them their first smartphone. You know, I, this hits really home. We have an almost 10-year-old and, you know, certainly weighing constantly what devices to give him access to and when.
2: And how much did the pandemic kind of change the conversation? Because uh, before there was uh, maybe a slow introduction to the internet and smart devices and tablets. But in March of 2020, a lot of kids were sent home with a tablet saying, this is this is how we're doing homework now. This is how we're going to school. And they began to quickly discover that the tablet could be used for other things. Uh, I seem to recall my daughter hooked up with all of her friends on... uh uh, on on facebook messenger the kids version and all of a sudden they were sending video messages to each other at six forty five in the morning because they're the first ones out of bed and we had to set some ground rules up right there and then so it, it, is that part of the conversation now they're so used to this because the pandemic uh forced this technology on them
7: i mean to some degree i mean i find the kids just are so savvy on technology at least how to do what they want i think The trickiest part is having those hard conversations around the fact that, um, you know, unfortunately, there are adults out there that want to contact kids. That's certainly my biggest uh, concern as a parent. Uh, What we are seeing some parents do uh, as a result, too, and I wanted to make sure to throw this in the conversation, is a lot of parents are getting their kids Apple Watches because they can make a phone call in an an emergency. They can do some of those communication things, but they can't do some of those other things. Um, So that's one thing that some folks are doing. Um, I think the key is really to have a good conversation as early as your kid can use the device about sort of what your expectations are. You know, and this comes up every day. We just had a conversation around something as innocuous as Googling something can produce some pretty unexpected results.
2: Do you find that the conversation about kids and cell phones these days is more about Internet content and less about actual phone usage?
7: For sure. I mean, I think most kids don't want to get on a phone call with anyone, including their parents. Um, So it's really about what other things they're going to do with that device. Um, And that's where most of the dangers are. I mean, to be honest, I think the cell phone is the thing parents want, the ability to stay in touch with their kids, because it's hard when your kids start going beyond your uh, control. And again, this, this really hits home. Um, But it's that Internet usage that uh, holds a lot of potential pitfalls out there.
2: It is very funny. I'm sure our digital native kids will look at us talking about phone calls like we have emerged from some movie from the 1940s. Like, we're the people who pick up the phone and say, operator, get me (laughs) so-and-so. We're now the old fuddy-duddies, and and, and we were the first people online. For
7: sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a role reversal.
2: Ina Fried, chief technology correspondent for... For the news site Axios.com based in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come why a rough December could signal better things ahead for the stock market. The
0: WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: December has been a down month for stocks so far, but that could actually be a bullish sign for the markets going forward. Joining us to explain is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com based. Based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. About uh, 40 minutes ago, we had a guest who said that uh, the markets will uh, retest their lows just to, to uh, start the new year. Uh, what's your prediction for 2023 based on this uh, sell off we're seeing today?
5: Uh, well, the, to be honest, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> so I think that's the honest thing to say. And How so
2: refreshing is that, isn't it? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, you know, I, I always feel like there's two kinds of analysts on Wall Street. The, the one type is those who don't have a clue, and the other is the people who lie. So, you know, and, <laughs> so anyway, I mean, the uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are trying to read every tea leaf you can imagine out there, and uh, it turns out that I, you know, I, I, you know, my job is to track all these indicators and look to see which ones are statistically significant, and very, very few of them have any significance whatsoever. But they, they, they make for fun storytelling. And I think that's what uh, occupies a lot of us journalists, is that we we will we'll talk about it. But if I go back and look just what kind of correlation there is between what happens in December and what happens in the new year, it's almost a, a coin flip. It rarely uh, t- increases your odds of success one way or the other, depending on what December does. Now, that's actually good news for the moment, because you know the stock market is just plummeting. In fact, you talk about testing new lows by the end of the year. It seems like we're probably going to do it today. It's now down, I think, close to 800 now. So it's, uh, uh, what we should uh, take from all of this is that what the stock market will do in the future is whether the news that comes down the pike is better or worse than what we know today, because basically the stock market is an excellent mechanism for discounting all available public knowledge that is currently out there in the, in the public space in the market. So if it turns out earnings and the economy and so forth are better than what we now think it will be, the market will rise. But uh, trying to predict whether it will be better or worse, given what we already know, is very difficult, given the fact that the market already takes into account everything we already know.
2: Well, thinking back to a year ago, all of the storylines that define 2022 were already establishing themselves. The saber rattling was already underway between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, inflation was very much a story in December of 2021. Transitory was the big debate. So I guess if you want to say that the predictions will eventually come through, uh, come true, we're going to see that recession in 23.
5: Well, perhaps. I went back and uh, for a column I wrote uh, on the uh, the MarketWatch website a week ago, I went back and looked at some of the most prominent analyst predictions a year ago for what would happen In 2022. And you're right, there were a lot of people talking about inflation and uh, a possible recession, but it's amazing how many very prominent, well followed analysts, I'm not going to mention their names, but who were predicting, uh, for example, some of them were predicting that interest rate hikes from the Fed wouldn't actually start until 2023. There were other people. Just to use a spectacular example, Bitcoin at the time was in the forty thousand range. They were predicting it would be up to a hundred thousand by now. Now, as we already know, it's down in the mid teens. So, the, the, it's interesting. The, the forecasting uh, industry is, has a lot of humility if they were willing to be honest about it. That uh, uh, it, it just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a loser's game. And people who still, nevertheless, pay attention to it, I think you know, deserve everything they get.
2: Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's MarketWatch.com. Thanks for joining us. T-Mobile has
4: invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.